Go with me to the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter. Gospel of John, the 8th chapter, one verse of Scripture. I want to talk this morning on this thought, this subject, liar, liar. John chapter 8, verse 44. It'll be on the screen, it's on your handout. The verses that follow, they'll be on your handout. They'll not be on the screen. John chapter 8, verse 44. When you have it, say amen. Let's look at it. This is Jesus speaking. He says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Let's read it one more time. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your presence today, and we thank you for this time to open your word. And I ask you this morning to speak to your people, and I ask that you would speak through me. I ask that you open our ears to hear, I ask that you open our hearts to receive, and I ask that once again you would give me the anointing to preach what I feel you've laid on my heart. I pray that you would touch my mind, that I could think with clarity. I pray that you would touch my lips, that I could speak with precision and say exactly what you would have me to say. And God, today I pray that you would be edified and glorified, and I pray that when we leave today our hearts and our lives will be changed, and I pray that we could say it's been good to be in your house. And Father, now we give you glory and honor for all that you're going to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. Here in this text, Jesus, He identifies the enemy of humanity. He identifies for us the devil. Jesus calls him a murderer and a liar. And what Jesus is telling us is that the devil's main activity is to promote lies and bring about death. He tells us that Satan wants to bring death, physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. And he lets us know that he does that through deception. He does that through lies. Hear me today that the reason there's a sin problem in the world is because of the lies he told Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was the lies that he told that brought ruin and chaos into the world And I would submit to us today that he's still telling lies and people are still being deceived and destroyed. That he's blinded the eyes of people, he's blinded the minds of people and people are being led astray, people are being led uh, captive and being destroyed and not coming to the truth of the gospel. And so this morning I want to give you four lies that the devil has used throughout history to ruin people's lives. Number one... God doesn't love you. I believe this is one of the greatest lies that he tells. And that's simply this, God doesn't love you. The devil wants you to believe that God doesn't love you. He wants you to believe that God is cruel, mean, and unloving. He wants you to believe that God is harsh and out to punish you or destroy you. 
He wants you to believe that you're too sinful, you're too unworthy, and too unlovable for God to love and care about you. But I've come with good news this morning, and I've come with the truth that God does love you. And you may ask me this morning, how do I know that God loves you? And how do I know that God loves me? I know that He loves me because the Bible tells me so. You see, we sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me that He loves me. Let's look at some scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved me that He gave His one and only Son that I could have eternal life with Him through faith in Him. Romans 5, 8, But God shows or God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, He died while you were lost. He died while you were ungodly. He died while you were wicked. He died while you were yet in your sin. Why? To demonstrate the love of God. If you're here today and you're wondering, does God love me? Just look back to the cross. And it demonstrates the love of of God. 1 John 4, 8, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, that's who He is. God is love. How about 1 John 4, 19? We love because He first loved us. Think about that. You didn't love God first. He loved you first. In fact, you were incapable of loving until God first loved you. I couldn't love you until God first loved me. Aren't you glad that He loved us? You may have walked in here today. You're beating yourself up. You feel unlovable. But I've come to let you know that God loves you. But let me give you just a few sub-points about that. He loves you with an everlasting love. What does that mean? That means His love for you will never end. His love for you will never wear out. Think about that. In fact, He can't stop loving you because He is love. Think about that. It's not just what He does, it's who He is. If He ceased to love, He'd cease to be God. Let that sink in. If He ceased to love, He would cease to be God. He loves you with an everlasting love. It goes on and on and on. He'll never stop loving you. There'll never be a day in your life when God does not love you, which leads me to the second sub-point. He loves you with an unconditional love. This means that He loves you with no strings attached. Let me illustrate it this way. He loves you when you're good, but He also loves you when you're bad. He loves you when you get it right, but He loves you when you get it wrong. He loves you when you're holy, but He loves you when you're unholy. Amen. Let, let me just say this. Some of you looking at me like you're never unholy. But listen, if I were to follow you around every day of the week, I'd find out there's some days you're unholy and you're not so sanctified. But listen, on those days, God still loves you. Amen. But listen, none of us come up believing that, hey, when I mess up, God no longer loves me. Listen, when you mess up, God loves you. You can't do anything to make Him love you more than He loves you, and you can't do anything that makes Him love you any less. God loves you unconditionally. No strings attached. He loves you. Aren't you glad? You see, we as humans, we, we, we can love some people more than we love others. But God loves us. He loves us. Unconditionally. Let me say it this way. You don't have to earn the love of God. And it's sometimes that's how we think it is with God. 
I've got to do something to make God love me. I've got to do something so that I can earn His love. You don't do anything to earn His love. God so loved the world. Doesn't say anything about me doing anything, does it? Doesn't say you have to do anything, does it? It says God so loved the world that He gave. You can't earn His love. He just lavishly pours out His love. But the devil wants you to think, well, God doesn't love you. And that, you know, that's one of the lies he, he was telling in the garden. Hey, that God doesn't want you to have this tree. God's holding out on you. God's being unloving. And that's why we're in the mess we're in. Because Eve bought the lie. And that's why so many people do all the things they do today because they think God don't love me. That's why people stay away from church because they think God don't love me. That's why people want to hold on to their sin because they think God don't love me. But the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. When people understood just how much God loved them, they'd run to an altar, they'd get rid of their sin, and they'd leave their sinful lifestyle. Can I just tell you, hellfire brimstone preaching really don't do much good to change people's lives. It's the grace of God and the love of God that changes people's lives. It's the love of God that changes people's lives. Because listen, when people ever find out that fear of God really don't do so much to change them, they'll go back to their sinful ways. Because when they find out once they ever sin and God don't strike them down, well, they ain't too much to the fear. But when they find out that God loves them, and even when they fall that God still loves them, it makes them want to do better. Think about it. When you know that, hey, I've messed up and God still loves me, I don't want to break the heart of my Father because He loves me so much. That's what changes your life. Not because I'm scared of Him. You see, that's what has made preaching on grace in a lot of people's eyes so dangerous. Well, grace just gives people a license to say, listen, you, don't, you, you sin because you want to anyways. I don't want to get off topic here and chase this rabbit for too long, but here's the thing. You sin because you want to anyway. I don't have to give you a license to sin. You sin because you want to anyways. Right? And people say, well, grace is a license to sin. No, you, you, you sin because you want to anyways. Amen? If you're going to do it, you're going to do it anyways. But grace teaches you how to live. Read Titus chapter 2. It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly passions. And teaches us, trains us, is what the literal meaning, it trains us to live righteously and soberly in this godly world. Grace teaches you to live right. But it all comes from the love of God. Because He loves me, I want to do right. You see, there, there, there's not an inkling inside of me whatsoever because I'm saved and because I feel like I'm secure. wants to go out and just do wrong. That, that, that is erroneous teaching that think that I just, have a, I, I just have a free pass to go do whatever. It's just wrong teaching. I want to please Him. Why? Because He loves me so much. Amen? He loves you, and He always will. How many believe that this morning? 
In fact, Paul will tell us here in Romans chapter 8, nothing can separate us from His love. Romans 8, 35-39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Notice that. That, that. That's how you overcome. You're victorious because of Him who loved you. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Listen, nor anything else. Sin can't separate you from the love of God. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But the devil wants you to believe God doesn't love you. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. I know this to be true. God loves you. Amen? But here's the second lie that the devil wants you to believe. God can't be trusted. Satan wants us to question and doubt God's Word. He wants to cast doubt on God's truthfulness in an attempt to, uh, to cast doubt uh, that God can't be believed. That we can't trust God's Word. He wants us to believe that God isn't faithful and that God isn't reliable. Satan wants us to believe that God won't keep His promises, that God won't do what He said He would do. Satan wants you to believe that God's going to let you down like others have let you down. But I've come to let you know God can be trusted. God is faithful and God is trustworthy. Listen to Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Hear me. God will keep his promises. God will do what he's promised to do. God won't let you down. God won't disappoint you. God will never fail you. God can be trusted. Others may forsake you. Others may abandon you. Others may not do what they said they will do, but God will always do what He said He will do. God can be trusted. Amen. You can take God at His Word. If God said it, you can believe it, and you can take it to the bank, because God can be trusted. Again, go back to the Garden of Eden, and you'll see this was another lie that Satan told Eve. Did God really say that? You know, God told Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you'll surely die. And yet the serpent comes up to Eve. Did God really say that? Did God really say don't eat that fruit? Did God really say you're going to die? He began to cast doubt on God's Word. He caused her to doubt God's faithfulness. He, he said, God's not really trustworthy. God's not really truthful. And it's another lie that ruined the world. Here we are today. Well, let me move on. Here's a third lie. Sin doesn't matter. This is another big lie that the devil wants to tell people, especially our young people. And I'm so glad there's a good bit of young people here this morning. Sin doesn't matter. Satan wants you to believe that sin has no consequences. 
Satan wants you to believe that God isn't going to punish sin and that God is not a God of judgment. Now hear me. I believe God is a God of love. He'll always love you. I believe He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. But also know there's a side of God where He is a God of judgment and He is a God of holiness. And here's the thing. The enemy has worked hard at spreading this lie that sin doesn't matter and as a result, the word sin has become a dirty word in our society. You see, we live in a world where no one thinks that they're a sinner. We live in a world where everybody thinks they're going to heaven. We live in a world where everybody thinks they're a good person. In fact, that's why we have this teaching nowadays called universalism where everybody thinks one day they're going to end up in heaven. That whether you believe in Jesus or not, sooner or later all paths lead to God and we're all going to end up in heaven because God is gracious and God is merciful. But can I tell you, that's a lie. That it doesn't matter what you do, you, you can live any old way you want to, that God is so loving, God is so gracious, you, you can believe in Jesus or not believe in Jesus, that one day all roads lead to God and we're all going to be okay one day. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says unless you believe in Jesus and put your faith in Him, you will perish. You will be lost and you will spend eternity as separated from Him. If you haven't come to figure this out and come to believe in this, everybody's not going to heaven. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 7, that there's two ways, there's two roads, a broad way and a narrow way, and two different destinations. One that leads to destruction and one that leads to eternal life. Two gates that you have to enter. And here's the thing, you're born on the broad way. You're born on the broad way. Listen, we come into this world already headed to destruction. But you choose Jesus, you choose the narrow way. And here's the thing about the narrow way. You can't take all your junk with you. That's why it's narrow. How many has ever gone to Carowinds or any other fun park and they have those turnstiles there? It's kind of constricting it. can't take all your baggage and stuff when you go through it. That's the way it is when you follow Jesus. You can't take all your junk with you. But because of this lie the, uh, of, of the enemy, the idea of sin has been mortared down. And we no longer call sin, sin. You see, what was once called filth is now called fun, and what was once called rebellion is now called liberation. Think about it. What is right is now considered wrong, and what is wrong is now considered right. Let me illustrate it this way. Abortion isn't considered murder, but it's a woman's right or freedom to choose to do what she wants with her own body. And we just heard about it this week in New York. And let me just say this, uh, there may be a few instances where abortion is considered the health of the mother, protect the mother's health. That, that, that's something you've got to consider. A woman is raped, and that's not something she wasn't asking for. That's a choice you, you've got to consider. But just to use abortion as a means of contraception because you want to sleep around and do as you please, it's murder. To kill an unborn baby, it's murder. But it's being legalized. And we're living in a day where it's women saying, it's my body and I can do what I want to do. But God calls it murder. Homosexuality is no longer thought to be an abomination. It's just an alternate lifestyle. Fornication. 
That's just an old King James word, but I'll explain it to anybody who don't know what it is. It's just sex outside of marriage. It's now considered just sexual experimentation and liberation. In other words, the days of waiting until you're married are past. We'll just shack up and live together, sleep together. We'll try the waters and see how it is before we get married. It's now accepted. Can I tell you what God says about it? God says it's wrong. Sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is wrong. It's sin. You see, sin has changed its name in hopes of saying that sin and sinning doesn't really matter. But sin does matter. Just ask God what He thinks about sin. The Bible reveals His attitude. Look at Psalm 34, 21. Evil shall slay the wicked. Pretty plain, isn't it? Evil's going to slay the wicked. Proverbs eleven three. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Proverbs eleven nineteen. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Ezekiel 18.4 All souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death. Sin does matter and God has always called it by its right name. Sin is sin. Let me say it this way. Man might call it an accident, but God calls it an abomination. Man can say it's a defect, but God calls it a disease. Man can call it an infirmity, but God calls it iniquity. Man can say that sin is liberty, but God says it's lawlessness. Sin does matter. It will rob you of your peace of mind. It will destroy your relationship with the people you love. It will destroy your mind and body. But worst of all, sin will separate you from God and keep you out of heaven. Sin does matter. But the devil wants to feed you this lie that, hey, it doesn't matter. Just do what you want to do and it doesn't matter. And what you'll find out one day is you'll stand before God and you'll find out that your sin and your sinning did matter. Which leads me to my final lie that the enemy wants to tell you is simply this. Tomorrow always comes. There's been a lot of people that's bought into this lie. Tomorrow always comes. You see, eat, drink, and be merry has been the devil's prescription for life throughout the centuries. He's told a lot of people, just eat, drink, and be merry. Life's one big party. Just live it up. And a lot of people have believed it. You see, a lot of people have bought into this lie that they can live their life and just have one big party and everything's going to be okay. I want my young people to hear me this morning. Life's not one big party. And you're not promised tomorrow. And you're not promised 70 and 80 years. We're not. In fact, here's what a lot of young people say. I'm not old enough to die. But back just a few years ago in October of 2012, there was a Hartsville football player, 18 years old, who collapsed on the football field. And by 8.45 p.m. that night, he was pronounced dead. 
playing football that night. Collapsed on the football field during the game. They got him to Carolina Pines, and by the time they got him there at 8.45 p.m., he was pronounced dead 18 years old. November of 2012, a 19-year-old from Conway got in a car crash and died instantly. Six years ago. For less than six years. Tomorrow doesn't always come. It doesn't always come. Tomorrow is running out every day for a lot of people. Too many lives have been prematurely terminated because the devil deceived them into believing this lie. Listen to Proverbs 27.1 Do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring about. Don't brag about tomorrow. Don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what a day is going to bring. You see, the reality is you don't know what the next minute is going to hold for you. You don't know what the next five minutes are going to hold for you, the next 30 minutes, the next hour. You, you don't know what's going to happen when you leave this church today. I have heard of stories of people even going to church, sitting on the pew, and while in church taking their last breath. While in church. Be a good way to go. While in church. But here's the thing, you don't know. James 4, 13-15 Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and profit. Notice that these guys say hey we're going to go to this town we're going to buy and sell and trade we're going to make a great living we're going to make a great profit profit. and notice this verse 14 Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while, for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say if the Lord wills we will live and do this or that. If God willing, we'll do this or that. But here's the thing. My life, my time, it's in His hands. You see, the only thing that we can do about tomorrow is to prepare for it today. There is a tomorrow that will definitely come to all of us. And here's what the Bible calls it. The judgment. So one day, each of us, young and old, we're going to stand before God, we're going to give an answer for the life we lived on this earth. And so, the most important thing you can do is to prepare today for that tomorrow. Because one day we'll stand before God. I want to say to you again, especially our young people, tomorrow doesn't always come. It doesn't always come. And so we need to make sure we're ready to meet God. You never know when some crazy person is going to walk into your school. You'll never know. You never know who you're going to meet on the highway that's been drinking. And they're going to come across the line into your lane. You don't ever know. Preacher, you're scaring me. Listen, you ought to be scared because you never know when you get behind the wheel what you're going to meet. Or when you go somewhere what you're going to meet. Listen, you don't ever know.
But if, you've been here, if you're here today and you've been listening to the enemy and thinking that, hey, I've got the rest of my life, that I can just live like I want to and what I've been doing doesn't matter, and there's no heaven, there's no hell, there, you, you might have walked in here today and said, hey, there is no God. None, none, I, I'm just here because I, I, this, this is Sunday and I just want to go somewhere. My parents drugged me here, whatever. I, I'm here because of a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Listen, you're going to find out one day. If you're here and you're older today and you've been playing religious, I'll get on to old people. If you've been here today and you've been playing religious games and been in church your entire life and you, you, you're just here going through the motions, you're going to find out one day. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, we're in the kingdom of heaven. And they're going to say, we, we, we prophesied and cast out devils and did many wonderful works. And he's going to say, I never knew you. This is wake up call for everybody in the house today. We better make sure we're ready. Amen? Because if we aren't careful, we'll believe the lies of the enemy. So we better examine our lives today and make sure that we are ready to meet Him. We better make sure that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know Jesus. Well, here's what I do know according to the Gospel of John chapter 10, that if we know Jesus, we won't believe the voice of the enemy. Because he says they won't follow the voice of a stranger. We'll sniff out the lie. Amen? But I say to you today that if you're here and you've been believing the voice of the enemy, been listening to him, you need to start changing who you listen to. You need to start listening to the voice of God. And can I just give you the truth real quick? God loves you. And He loves you so much He sent His Son to die for you so that you wouldn't have to spend eternity separated from Him. Can I also give you another truth real quick? God made you for a purpose. God has something He wants you to do. God has a plan for your life. And God wants you to fulfill it. Amen. Could you stand with me this morning?